I'm just grateful and honored to be here with you this morning. Uh, I have a special closeness with your pastor. I come out of a, a layperson background into ministry as well and uh, just have a, a, a unique thing, bond in that reality. Uh, also, I think uh, Tim and John and Karen and I, we're just kind of uh, regular people. Uh, normal people, but uh, nothing special, but wanting to raise a very special disciples for the Lord and uh, just love being here with you. In fact, we were here before your building was completed, and it's so cool to see people in the seats. Uh, God is good. Well, just quickly, a little bit about me. My name is Doug Helmer. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest. My wife grew up in Los Angeles. We met in high school in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, we've been married for 28 years now. We've been uh, blessed with two children. Both of them are out of the house and married. And... Uh, Love them, but what a delight uh, that our kids, by God's grace, our kids are following the Lord and their spouses love the Lord, and that's just a delight. And we are uh, are continuing to all learn to grow by faith and what that means to walk in Christ and to, well, how to do what we just sang about. Uh, I am the senior pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Just a little bit about us. Uh, we just turned five years old. In fact, as of today, uh, we're five years old with that. We are, a, it is, it's a God deal. Uh, we meet in a theater, and uh, we have the largest uh, screen in our area and the largest communion cup holders of any church in our area as well. Um, but we love being there. We're regular Midwest people, uh, just like you. And uh, we're actually right now in the process of building a facility. We have dirt being moved, so we're in that mode of operation. So be exciting. We can both one day talk about how God's used buildings for his glory. Um, well, wherever you live, whether it's Peoria or whether it's Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, one of the things that's the same is you understand the picture on the screen. You understand what life is like when uh, tornadoes are ahead and you see them, when life has that seemingly out-of-control sense to it. Uh, we all know what that's like. And as a follower of Christ, uh, the big the big question of that is, is what does it look like to respond right when life is out of control? What does that look like? It's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to actually know what do we do in it and how do we handle it. And whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a teen or a college student or a single or you're married, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're a businessman, a tradesman, whether you are a homemaker, a pastor, or whether you're one of the 12 disciples, the reality is, is that you know that kind of experience. In fact, maybe you're in one right now where life just seems like there's a tornado right at you, right around you and what's taking place. Well, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter four. Uh, One of the unique things about Harvest is uh, we are all about the Bible. It's sad to say that. Uh, nowadays in church, but we are about the Bible. So I trust you have Bibles. In fact, I see that we've got people coming around with Bibles. If you don't have one, would you grab one, just flag them down, get one? Because this is Harvest Bible Church. And uh, we are opening it, digging into it, and enjoying it, and savoring it. And Mark chapter 4, it's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to Mark chapter 4, one of my very favorite passages of Scripture. And uh, uh, let me just set a little context here. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. Jesus is giving a lecture. 
Uh, he's talking to a whole group of people. In fact, if you look at verse 1, he's talking to a great big crowd of people. And he's interacting with them and he's teaching them about this. And he talks about the parable of the four soils. Now, parables are stories that teach. There's stories that teach. And he's telling this parable of four soils. How many, how many soils? There's four of them. And let me just quickly mention that the first one, it's the seed on the path. It's when the word of God comes and hits on a hard ground. And it talks about that. It's the hard-hearted person to the gospel. Then the second soil, it's, it's, it talks about the rocky ground. It's the shallow person uh, with Christ. It's, 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 then the third is the crowded heart. It's, it's that thorny ground. The fourth is the fruitful heart. It's that good, fruitful, black soil. We know that stuff here in the Midwest. And that's the kind of soil. And Jesus is teaching his hearers about faith. And I love this. I'm a very visual guy. And Jesus uses pictures to help people get truths. And so here he's using this picture and he's, and he's telling them in this lecture time, essentially that, listen, there are people out there that when they hurt, hear the gospel, they're going to be like a seed on a hard path. It's like, heard it, good for you, I'm out. No interest, whatever, okay? And then the second soil, it's that shallow heart. It's kind of like this. It's like, the gospel, Jesus, yeah, yeah, I'm in on that. And then all of a sudden, hear me on this one because of what we're talking about today. All of a sudden, trouble or persecution comes, uh, the text tells us, because of the word. And they're like, I'm out. Whether they say it or by their living. I hear it, but I'm out. I thought this gospel thing was going to give me health, wealth, and prosperity. But right now I've got troubles. Bag it. Uh, The third soil is this idea of this crowded heart. It says like, yeah, Jesus, I'm about this stuff. And then it's like, man, the stuff of the world and wealth, that's what I'm really all about. And it's kind of like I'm out just by reality. And then the fourth soil, and Jesus is pointing to this fourth soil. It's this fruitful soil. It's the kind of soil that when it receives the word, the word is the seed. The soil puts all of itself into the word, into the seed. And out of that seed, it grows and produces fruit and bears a crop. And at the end of the text, Jesus says 30, 30, 60, 100 fold. It's not so much about who's got more. It's about produce fruit. That's the point. And I love the disciples after this because they come to him and they go, um, what in the world was that all about? That gives me so much hope because I'm like that. We're like that. And I love the fact that Jesus explains it to them. How sweet. How kind. How patient. Hey, if you don't get it, hey, Jesus wants you to. He wants you to. Well, Mark chapter 4, in the beginning of it, it's about the lecture. And it's a lecture about faith. What faith looks like. Now it's time for the lab. Now it's time for the lab. I remember in high school, taking uh, chemistry, physics. Actually, in college, I took physics. I loved physics. Didn't do so well in it, but I loved it. And um, there's always a lab associated with the class. Why? Why is that? 
Well, the reason for that is because they know that they just don't want for you to know the data of physics. They don't want just for you to know the data of chemistry. They want for you to see it, experience, and know how to carry it into real life. That's why we do laboratories. It's for real experience to pull that out. And so watch this. Watch what happens in Mark chapter 4 because the lab is about to start. And the teaching that was just given is now about to be put into a laboratory. Class is in session. Lab starts. God, I just pray as we dig into this passage that you would show us you. More than anything else, may we walk out of this text with a greater understanding of who you are. Show us yourself, Lord. We invite it. Show us yourself. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Here we go. We are on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has just been teaching. There's a very large, large crowd. He's then with the disciples explaining it. And now a big life event is about to be unleashed. We're in narrative text, by the way. Narrative is given so that we can feel and see and experience truth in life. So I just want to say this, hold on, because I know you don't know me very well, but here we go, because it's going to get intense. All right? And we're going to do it together. Here we go. Verse 35. I'm the kind of guy that I read a little bit and stop. So here we go. On that day, stop. Which day? (laughs) Which day? It's the day that the lecture just took place. On that day. Please, folks, so often we read over little grammatical statements that help us understand the flow that the author is intending us to understand. It's a connection point. Not two days later, not a week later, not a month later, but on which day? That day, that day of the lecture that the text is telling us about, about the four soils and faith. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to bear fruit. And by the way, one of those I don't want you to be is don't be someone when trials or persecutions come along, you bag me. Hmm. On that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, let us go to the other side. Pause. Uh, Let's go across. Uh, Let's go to the other side, guys. In the text, we, we just see him giving a regular directive here. It's not like, oh, you make me so mad, we're going over to the other side. We don't see that. We just see like, uh, hey guys, let's go to the other side. No punishment, uh, no bad attitude dealing with. Just, guys, let's just go to the other side. Life is moving along. Uh, By the way, I have a question for you. Where are they going? Okay, I I know we're all slow in the Midwest. We get mocked for it at times. But, hey, where are they going? Let me just ask one more time. Where did Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh... 
Creator of all things, Colossians chapter 1. Where did that guy say they are going? Interesting. Let us go across the other side. Verse 36. And leaving the crowd, they, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Got the picture? We're getting in the boats. There's some other boats there as well. And a great windstorm arose. Now understand in the Greek, the term that's used for this storm, it's not just like a, whoa, it's wet. It's not just like, oh, the wind coming and like, whoo, this is quite a storm. No, this is actually our term, meteorological term would be a squall. It's a wall of a storm that's coming across. And as I understand it from people who live in that area, that squalls coming across the Sea of Galilee is not actually an uncommon thing. It's like a wall of weather that's coming in. And when it comes and it hits, it's like, wham! This is like a great storm, okay? Not just a storm. It's a great storm. I just have a question. They're going out, they're in the boats, they're coming across. What does the text tell us? Who caused the storm? Kind of glad you're not responding because the text doesn't tell us. Let's think about that just for a moment. Could Satan have brought the storm? Absolutely he could have. In fact, we, we go and we see in Job chapter 1, it says that Satan brought fire from heaven and calamitous wind to kill. So it definitely could have been Satan. Question number two, could this have actually been God himself, God the Father that brought this into play? Could have been. In fact, in Job 38, it says that God tilts the water skins of the heavens. Got that picture? There they are on the Sea of Galilee, and the Father is there, and he tilts the water skins, and it's like, there you go, boys! Could God the Father have done it? Absolutely, God the Father. Why do I bring this up? Because so oftentimes we want to be God and define who brings things into our lives. And let me just say this, does it even matter? Because even if it is Satan, Job... And other texts of scripture, even Satan is God's Satan. God is the one who can control. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, no temptation. The Greek word also means trial. No trial is overtaking you that is not common to man. And God is faithful and will not let you be trialed beyond what you can bear. God is filtering things out. And even if it was Satan, God the Father knows about it and has actually theologically allowed it. And if it was God himself, this is a Romans 28, 28 and 29 opportunity. That he is trying to grow them, mature them, prepare them for something. He's just testing and growing the ones he loves. Let me just say this. In trials, can I just encourage you? Don't get caught up in necessarily who did this. Get caught up in James chapter 1. God, what do you have for me out of this? And in this. Let's keep on going. Great storm comes up, verse 37, and the waves are breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. You got the idea? This is a serious 
storm. The boats are filling with water. Verse 38, but uh, a literary contrast. Uh, let's read the whole thing. On that day when evening had come and he said to them, let us go to the other side and leaving the crowd. They took him with them in the boat just as he was. The other boats were with him. And then all of a sudden a great huge windstorm squall all of a sudden arises. The waves are breaking in the boat so that the boat is already filling. But Jesus is in the stern asleep on the cushion. I almost think this is funny. I mean, here's this chaos going on in life and Jesus is asleep. Please understand, I do not believe that Jesus is asleep, like not asleep, like there he is laying there and he's peeking out from under something going, this is hilarious. Look at these guys. That's not what's going on here. He's not like back there like, no, he's asleep. I'd call him ministry dead dog tired. He's been proclaiming all day and it's just exhausting. It's just, I'm just going to tell you the ride home for me. It's just going to be like, just exhausting. And he's gone through this full day, giving himself out. And there he is asleep in the boat. I mean, that's tired, right? I think there's a whole beautiful thing out of this. Jesus understands what it's like to be exhausted in life and in ministry. And he's asleep in the stern. On a cushion, verse 38. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? (laughs) You think that's kind of how it went? (laughs) You know, oftentimes that's how we read the Bible. It's like, you know, they were, and it was probably stated in a British accent as well. And yet in it, that's not the case of what's happening here. Let me try and uh, help us understand a little of the case of what's happening here. They're getting in the boat. They're just doing what Jesus told them to do. They're just going across. And all of a sudden, up ahead, they see a storm coming. And this storm is coming along. And it coming along. By the way, uh, if I remember right, help me on this. If I remember right, aren't some of the disciples professional fishermen? That's right. I would think those are the kinds of guys, uh, if uh, I'm not, and if I was in a boat with some professional fishermen, I would think I would be watching how those guys respond. It's kind of like if you're flying somewhere and, and you're going and the pilot gets on and you're in real turbulence and the pilot comes on and he says, I'm sorry, folks, uh, uh, we've got a lot of turbulence going on. I'm going to try and change our altitude, but I've been through this a thousand times. It's okay. Just go ahead and it's all right. And you're kind of like, oh. But imagine if the pilot got on. And he's like, folks, what we're going through right now, we're going to (laughs) die. Can you imagine that? The chaos. And yet look what happened. These professional fishermen, as well as uh, all of them, they, they awoke. It's plural. They wake him up. They say to him, I think more like this, teacher, do you not care if we're going to drown? And by the way, they're soaked, drenched from the coffee cans of throwing water out of the boat. And they're ticked. And I would be too. Because here I am. Here we are. And you look in the back and say, dude, what is your problem? I would have been one of them. Let's think about this for a minute. 
There's a lot wrapped up in that statement. Don't you care? Um, They're accusing Jesus Christ of totally being unaware. They're accusing Jesus Christ of being uninformed. They're accusing Jesus Christ of not caring. He's detached. He's out of it. He doesn't love me. He is not in control. How often has that been you and I? How often has that been you and I, whether we've said it or we're not man enough to say it and we just think it? Lord, obviously, you don't get what's happening in my life right now. Lord, obviously, you are completely detached. Would you please wake up from your rocking chair on the porch, oblivious to what's going on in my life? Excuse me, God. Hello? Do you even care? Maybe you even think it's funny. Listen, when we say life is out of control, what we are really saying is life is out of my control. That's the issue. Life is out of my control. I wonder how Jesus is going to respond. Because I just got to tell you, if I was Jesus, I know scary thought, but I was Jesus... This is where the computer graphics of nowadays comes in and our son grew up with Star Wars. I would just be frying them all. (laughs) You guys don't get it, do you, at all? (laughs) Out of the boat, goodbye. But watch how our Savior responds. Seriously, folks, watch this. (laughs) And he awoke. (laughs) That worked. And he awoke... And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Stop. He awakes and he talks to creation. Who can do that? I mean, you and I, there definitely are days where it's like, stop the rain. But I know it, the weather. The clouds, they're not going to hear me. It's like, come on, son, be nice. But I also know I have no ability to do anything. But not with this guy. Not with this guy in the boat. He gets up out of the boat. And in the text, we don't even see him first addressing the guys. We him first addressing what's going on around him. And he uses two command words. It's, it's two emphatics here. Siopa. It means silent, quiet, quiet. And then the next word is pefimoso. I love this word. It has this idea of muzzle. Muzzle it. Can you see that? With a dog. <laughs> 
That's literally what the word has this idea of being. Jesus stands up in the boat. He dresses the wind of the sea. And he goes, quiet! Siopa! Pafimoso! And what happens? What happens? Let's go in the text. What happens? And the wind ceased and there was a calm. No, no, I read that wrong. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Dude, who are you? Who are you? Do you think these guys are learning something right now? I do. In fact, there they have been in this whole setting. There they are, throwing it out, coming out of the water. Think they're going to die. They come back to Jesus. Come on, man. Wake up. Don't you care? And he wakes up and he talks and it's just... And they're just standing there, coffee can in hand, water dripping down off of their face. Have you ever been out on a lake when it's perfectly calm at night? And you can hear people on the other side talking. It's that calm. Who can do this? Who can do this? And then verse 40, now he talks to them. It's like, do I have your attention now? Now I have something to say. Look at this. Jesus asks two questions. Questions draw at the heart. Parents, are you understanding this text? Questions draw out the heart of a person. Pastors, are we hearing this text? They draw out the heart. Small group leaders, are you hearing the text? Questions draw out the heart. And Jesus asks, why are you so afraid? (laughs) Duh. (laughs) I'm just trying to be human about it. But let's think about this. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Do you see the issue here? To, to, to Jesus, the issue was not about being nervous in the boat. Was not you. The whole issue to Jesus Christ was what's going on in your heart? Really, the heart is this. What's going on in your head? How are you thinking about this, guys? Where is your faith? What did he talked about earlier in the day? That exact topic. Friends, God correlates life together. And we get pieces of information. And God oftentimes puts us in life scenarios that we get it. And we learn it. And we practice it. Not just know about it. And he calms the storm. And he addresses the fact they've been living in fear, not by faith. Fear, it's when you're scared. It's not what's expecting. It's not what you're wanting. It's, 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 I want, I want calm. I just want some peace and comfort. I want some ease. I want some love. I want some health. I want this marriage to work. I want to get married. I want money. 
and fear cripples. Please understand, I do not think the text is saying, nor am I saying, don't feel the emotion of fear. We're not robots. God has created us with emotion. But when we feel the fear, we're to do something with that. Uh, Here, the fear, let me give you a definition of faith. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. And the result, by the way, is God's decision on what that looks like, not mine. So what could, what should they have done? What could, what should they have done? Let's talk about that for a moment here. How could the disciples have responded in a life way that would have been honoring to God? By the way, verse 41, let's look at it. And they were filled with great fear. This is what's so cool. I'm sorry, skip ahead here. Verse 41, what's happening is Jesus saying, wait, you are fearing. And now the text responds by they have fear, fear in the right place, fear on the right person. Now it's no longer fear about the waves and the storm and and death. By the way, believer in Christ, is death really that bad? Now, my wife, we already wrote a contract and agreed we're dying at the same time and we're dying very comfortably. <laughs> I don't want to go through the hard stuff. Nobody does. But at the same time, I am saying this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what if they ended up at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee and died? Theologically, is it really so bad? But here they are, all of a sudden, their fear turns from the storm and the wind, and it turns on Jesus Christ, right where it should be. Oh, and I mean this in the right way, my God. That's what's happened here. They're stunned by who Jesus Christ is. Is it not true that their view of Jesus Christ is much bigger right now than it was 30 minutes ago? Yes. Yes, it was. They're getting it, but God is growing them. And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, this is the right thing. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's the million dollar question. And I ask you this morning, maybe you're new here, maybe you're, you, you have no background on what the Bible has to say. Who is Jesus Christ? You have to answer that question. They're asking the right question now. So how should they have responded through the thing as we look back? It's always easier 2020, isn't it? 2020, man, wish we could live life that way. But we learn and grow. So next time, how could they have responded? What could we learn from this? Let me, a couple things. One, Christ noted the central uh, problem was living in fear. And while the fear of emotion is understandable, fear cannot drive my responses. In other words, fear distorts my view of life. 
fear on anything other than the Lord distorts my view of life. Fear of man, fear of bad health, fear of circumstances and situations. It kind of brings in the life is not fair. This shouldn't be happening. Uh, uh, Life is supposed to be about my comfort. Life is supposed to be about my ease. Life is supposed to be about, this is so America, my happiness. Is it really? Is it really? Not. It's about God's glory. And yet fear brings it in when those are my idols, when that is the, what I'm looking for. I see this and it's like, I'm scared to death because my paradigm and my purpose has just gotten messed up. Fear distorts also my view of God. God, you're not fair. Why did I get this? Why did Pastor Tim get that and not me or you or someone else? What about for you? Why do you get that and someone else didn't get that? Why am I not healed and yet they were? Come on, God, pick it up. Fear distorts my view of God. But let's talk about faith. Faith clicks in when I connect God to my circumstances. Fear clicks in when I disconnect God from my circumstances. Faith clicks in when I connect to God. Listen, friends. You and I are given the challenge to be a part of the connecting process. Get it to this place. Get it to the place where faith sees Jesus Christ as the Lord of my circumstances. I may not like them. I may not have never, I may have never asked for them, but I do know this. He knows about it. He has allowed it and he is doing something in it and through it. Whether it's for me now, whether it's for me in the future, or whether God is doing this in and through me for someone else. But he's big enough and I have to work my mind towards thinking that way because that's not natural for us. Faith clicks in when Jesus Christ or faith sees Jesus Christ as the Lord of my circumstances. Along with that, faith sees his words as fully sufficient and trustworthy. Question, look at verse 35 in the text. Where did Jesus say they were going? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea. Now, I am not teaching a prosperity result here. I am teaching this. What God says, He will do. And in this, this is the kind of thing to where His words are sufficient. When life feels out of control, when life feels out of control, four practical things. Number one, cling to the words of Christ. Cling to the words of Christ. What does the word of God say about this situation? Well, situation like this, uh, James chapter 1, First uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Listen, in a moment when fear hits and life is going and it's hard, in a split second, you can turn yourself. Scripture, listen, this is life is seen through the lens of Scripture. And what's going on? What Scripture do I know that can right now get my mind turned in the right kind of direction? Cling to the words of God, folks. Cling to it. Do life like this. I'm looking, I'm seeing life through the lens of the Word of God. 
And if right now, if you're like, I I don't know what verse I would have used at that time, then this is an encouragement and a challenge for you. Get into the word. Get into the word. It's not there on the shelf to be looked at. It's there on the shelf to be dug into and to equip you. And so dig into it. Along with that, I want to bring number two. I cling to the people of Christ. I cling to the people of Christ. Uh, I love this. The disciples lived in fear together. They lived in fear together. Uh, You can only just imagine in it, maybe a little sanctified imagination here, but in the story of what's going on, there they are, the boat's going over, and they're doing this. It's like, come on, man. And they're all doing this. We don't hear anybody else sleeping in the boat. We don't hear anybody else going like, la, 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 la. We just hear them all just doing this. And usually that's the case. We do life together in fear. But God calls us to do life together in faith. By the way, I'm not talking about clinging to hobby buddies. Or shopping buddies. I'm talking about, do you have relationships with people to where when life is getting hard and you're getting confused and you're struggling and you're at a point in time where you're really having a rough time, do you have people next to you, around you, that you can get in touch with who know you and know you well and they will bring scripture to bear on the situation to come alongside you and help you and push you towards faith rather than fear? Do you have those kinds of relationships? If you don't, you need to today get after it. Because by the way, it's not a matter of if storms come, they will. And if you're not in a small group, you need to talk to someone here about getting in a small group. Being with some people that you can do life together and have those kinds of relationships. Imagine with me just for a moment... What if during the storm, the boat's going down and they are in total panic fear? What if just one guy would have stood up at that moment and says, guys, wait a second, wait a second. Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. The second person of the Trinity, the Messiah, the one that has come. Listen, he said we're going to the other side, guys. I heard him. You heard him. And do you remember today he talked about this whole idea that if it, because of the word, because by the way, maybe this was the kind of situation where Satan was trying to put Jesus at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. And tribulation and persecution because of the word. Maybe this is the kind of thing that that's what was going on. And if one of them would have remembered, guys, hold on, hold on. He said we're going to the other side. Hunker down. Just imagine if one of them would have done that. Just one. How awesome would have that been if two of them would have done that and reminded each other. And instead of living in fear together, they would have lived in faith together. Do know this, follower of Christ, you are not called to live the Christian life alone. That is an American mindset. That is not a biblical mindset. We were designed to do the walk together. Cling to the words of Christ. Cling to the people of Christ. Third, cling to the person of Christ. It's interesting, in the beginning of the story here, and they properly so, I'm not trying to pick on these guys because I would have been definitely like them. 
but they call him teacher, rabbi. Jesus Christ was way bigger than that. And again, I think their view of who Christ was after the storm was much bigger than who their view of Christ was before the storm. I'll bet that's the case for Pastor Tim. I'll bet that's the case for Jonna. God, you're bigger now than you were even before. I've learned something more about you as a result of this circumstance than I ever did before. God, you are stunning. Cling to the person of Christ. And lastly, cling to the purposes of Christ. Let's hit this way. The disciples saw Christ as asleep at the wheel. And when we go through hard times of life, our real theology really shows. It's easy to say here today, if you're not in a storm of life, to, yeah, Pastor Doug, I got this thing nailed down. You're not saying anything new I never knew before. I'm going to tell you, we'll find out when trials come along. We'll find out how we are. And I want to let you know, if you've recently or are going through a trial right now and you're responding by faith in who God is, know this, don't pat yourself on the back. Honor God. Because by God's grace, He's allowed you to see Him bigger. Fear clicks in when I disconnect God from my circumstances. Faith clicks in when I connect God to my circumstances.